Hello and welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. One of the main reasons that got me into apologetics was the understanding and the knowledge that I gained when I saw that students were walking away from Christianity. I was I just out of college. I'd studied to be a youth pastor. I was in the mission field, and I saw a staggering statistic showing that somewhere between 60 and 80% of students were walking away from the faith. And I thought, this is a problem. There has to be something that we can do about it. And initially, I thought, okay, what is going on? And, and I realized kind of in my own walk as well, is that after graduating high school, going to Christian school, growing up in church, I didn't know my Bible that well. When I started studying theology and getting into that degree and my difficult classes and looking at the theology of different scriptures, I realized I, I couldn't summarize the main idea maybe of each book of the Bible, or at least even the New Testament. I couldn't give some of these deeper uh, explanations of theology and who Jesus was and how the Trinity worked. And, and those things are still difficult, but even growing up for 18 years in Christian school, I couldn't even start to give some basic understandings. And I realized that Students didn't understand what they believed or why they believed it, and I thought this was the problem. Now, I didn't know even about apologetics at that time, and it wasn't until later that I discovered apologetics, and I thought, wow, this is what I've been looking for. And now, as I've began to research more and look into this more, some more statistics are starting to come up, and some more reasons why students are leaving the faith are coming up, and it's eye-opening. And so I want to go over a few of those reasons with you guys today. So before I jump into the show, I want to discuss and and let you guys know some events that are coming up where you can either hear me speak or hear some other uh, people speak at. So the first thing uh, that I'm going to be doing is on February 2nd at Turn Your Campus at Biola University. I mentioned this last week, I think, uh, but this is a great resource for students uh, going over evangelistic uh, opportunities and trying to encourage them to really make a difference uh, in their high schools. And so I will be giving uh, three talks there all the same time, three different times on world religions and helping them think clearly about that. But there's about 40 different other breakout sessions uh, that the students will be going through. Um, Also on March 22nd is the Maven Parent Youth Worker Conference in Laguna Hills. That'll be located at Christ Community Church in uh, Laguna Hills, uh, starting on Friday night, the 22nd, and going on to Saturday, the 23rd. I will not be speaking at this event, but I will most likely be in attendance uh, as I work and do uh, work for Maven in their uh, training, in their um, summer mission trips. But this is, again, a great place where I think Jay Werner Wallace and John Stone Street and Brett Kunkel and others will be there. Uh, Jonathan Morrow from Impact 360, helping parents Christian school teachers, youth workers, anyone working with students or dealing with students, helping them better understand the culture that our students are going through and how to truly and effectively communicate the gospel and Christianity to our high school students. So that is a great conference that's going to be coming up, a first one for Maven. Actually, this weekend, today as I speak, is day two of their first student conference in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, And so this will be their second overall conference for the new organization Maven from Brett Kunkel. On April 5th, I was invited down in a place near Carlsbad, Oceanside area in Southern California to give a talk on entertainment culture. I don't have all the details here with me. I think that's an open event uh, for high school, college age students, uh, but that is available on uh, on April 5th as well. I'll be joining two other speakers as one talks about science and faith and the other one talks about faith and reason. So we're going to be going over science, reason, and entertainment are the three talks that night. And then finally are the events at For His Glory Church. 
uh, our discipleship class going over the authority of Scripture and the doctrine of Scripture. On April 28th, I'll be talking on If We Can Trust the Bibles on May 5th, uh, Basic Tools for Studying the Word, and then on May 19th, Method for Reading and Understanding Scripture. So those are some available options to you guys to either hear me or other speakers speak at some great conferences. Now, the reason why I want to promote these conferences and I want to get out there and try to speak as much as I can myself is because, as I mentioned, students are walking away from the faith. And and Barner Research and David Kinneman has pointed out about six main reasons that students give for why they walk away from Christianity. And, and a deeper understanding of apologetics and Christianity and theology actually helps resolve all six of these conflicts, right? And we're going to work through these, but the first one being isolationism, that the church demonstrates that everything outside of it, like movies, music, technology, and these sort of things is wrong. And we discussed that last week, that, that only Christian things inside the church are good. The, number two, a shallowness, that the church's teaching is shallow and aimed at the lowest common denominator, right? Then they, they, they think that it's boring. It's not relevant to their lives. Number three, that the church is anti-science. I talk a lot about that one on my show for that reason. Number four is the topic of sex, uh, that sim- sexuality is treated simplistically. Kind of just say no, just, just don't have sex kind of philosophy that churches take. And then also not really addressing the, the sexual culture that we live in. Number five is the exclusivity. The fact that the Christian worldview is too exclusive and says that other people are wrong. And then finally, number six, uh, the doubters, that church is not a safe place for people to doubt and to struggle with their faith. So here are the main six reasons, and I want to work through and give some examples and talk through these a little bit more. Uh, But here are the reasons that students give for why they walk away from Christianity. And if you think through those six points, what you see really is that each of these can be addressed and, and brought to light when a deeper understanding of theology, Christianity, and apologetics, and ethics, and worldview is presented to help the students express their doubts because we're not afraid of doubts, those sort of things. So I want to work through these and help us understand how can we address these and actually give some practical examples that I've come across of these sort of issues. So the first one is that isolationism, the church demonstrates that everything outside of it, movies, technology, and everything is, is bad. And, and all the things that kind of define their generation are wrong. You know, we, we talked about this the last two weeks, and I think it's healthy to say, look, we don't just go into popular culture and we just say everything is evil. Don't watch movies. Don't listen to music. Don't do these sort of things. Because, again, it's just a big list of don'ts. I've shared this before, but I was speaking at a conference a few summers back, and a student came up to me, and, and he had gone to a breakout session before mine. I said, how was your first breakout session? And he goes, oh, we just learned the list of don'ts. It was good. This idea that like, just don't have sex, don't drink, don't do drugs, don't listen to bad music, don't watch bad movies, and then you're going to live this wonderful Christian life. Now, if anyone's like me, as soon as you hear don't, the first thought in your mind is, well, now, well, why not? Why can't I, right? (laughs) You don't walk on the grass. It's been shown, I think there's studies to show that then more people end up walking on the grass. If you have signs, say don't walk on the grass, right? We just have that sort of mentality in us, this kind of rebellious attitude at times. And so rather than simply isolating Christianity, everything inside Christianity good, everything outside is bad, let's start to give some reasons and explain some logic and why we hold to different things. And I went over that the last two thing, two weeks when it talks about technology on how to ask good questions. It's not to stay away completely from every single non-Christian movie. Now, there are some that I stay away from, 
There's some that are too violent or too graphic or too whatever. But there are others that we can say, look, this is not Christian. Yes, this may have some things in there, but let's just talk about it and think critically about it. Now, another thing that comes up uh, is another question that I actually recently received uh, in an email. So back in December, I received an email from a man named Aaron. And he wrote me back December 19th and said, Hey, Ryan, been enjoyed your podcast for a few months now. I'm wondering your thoughts on weed. I've been asked a lot about it, and it obviously comes up a lot during kind of the election time. I'm very familiar with apologetics and listen to many of the same people you probably enjoy. So you, so I have kind of an answer to go with, but I'm curious what you would say and how you would approach it. Is weed sinful to smoke at all? Is it just getting high that's wrong? So he's looking forward to a response. So I, I dealt with this a couple summers ago when I was talking with a group of high school students, right? Again, this is one of those topics where we just say, don't, 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 rather than giving some good reasons. So a student came up to me and I've shared this before. He said, uh, is smoking weed and drinking wrong? My youth pastor and my parents, they always just say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You know, that it will ruin my life. But look, I smoke weed and I drink and it's not, hasn't ruined my life. I still have my friends. I still am getting good grades. Uh, so why is it wrong? And my first response was not to just jump in with another answer, right? He'd been given lots of answers. So he just, it's wrong, don't do it. It'll ruin your life. But then he kind of realized, well, my life doesn't seem to be ruined. So how does this work? And my first question, though, that I asked him was, why do you base something as being right or wrong based on how it affects you? Where do you get the idea that if, it has a positive outcome, therefore it must be good. If it has a negative outcome, it must be wrong. Now, he was kind of taken back. He hadn't thought about this before, right? But that's this kind of view of karma that actually many young people hold to that's not a biblical view. And I've discussed that here on the show before. Rather than understanding what has God revealed to us and what are the reasons that he's given to us, we don't judge something as being right or wrong based on how it affects our lives. Now, oftentimes what is wrong affects us negatively and what is right affects us positively because it's wrong and it's right, it's good and it's bad. And so it has good effects and bad effects. But just because something affects us good in a right way or makes us happy does not mean it's actually good. Eating way too much candy may make you happy, but it's unhealthy. Being lazy may make you happy, but it's not healthy. Working out sucks sometimes, but it's actually good for you. Right? And so this is one thing that I wanted to help him understand. Now, so when I am asked about the topic of weed, uh, there's, there's normally kind of one question that I, that I have. And it's this, is that the, the Bible speaks, I think, very clearly on the topic of drunkenness and sobriety. The importance of having a clear mind that is not, when you're not drunk, that you're not high on something, that you can think clearly about what is going on. And we can see this, uh, you know, in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine for that. It, this is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. First Peter 5.8, be sober minded, be watchful. First Corinthians 6 talks about nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And we can kind of keep going and going on, but it speaks very much against drunkenness and against and for sobriety, that you should have a sober mind to think clearly about the things that are going on. So this is where, when it comes to the topic of kind of, of drinking and smoking weed, that I want to ask the question, okay, personally, I don't think the Bible is against having a drink. I don't. I think that one can have one drink responsibly, 
and not be drunk. And therefore, I don't think it is necessarily wrong in that way. However, when it comes to weed, how much weed do you need in order to be high? I think that very quickly, you can't, it's, it's impossible because of such little amounts of weed needed to make yourself high, to give you that, that sense and that sensation that you smoke weed and you're just high. There's not a responsible level of smoking weed. Like I think that there could be a, there is a responsible level of drinking. And therefore I would say, look, because you smoke, you get high. And that is really the purpose of smoking. There's not at that responsible level that we shouldn't be smoking because scripture teaches about the importance of having a sober and clear mind. Now, I think that this would be different than when, when talking about for medical purposes, right? In the same way that I would say, look, there are some medicines that are painkillers that are that really could, you know, kind of get you high in, in a sense to, to kill pain, but is necessary because of a surgery, because of, uh, of something that is going on in your body, and you need this sort of painkiller. But someone who does not have that same medical need should not be taking morphine or taking these sort of painkillers, that it would be a problem. And so in the same way, I think I would put uh, weed into that category that maybe for some medical purposes, and I haven't done a ton of research on this, but maybe for some medical purposes that it would be allowed just as other drugs are allowed for medical purposes. But if you don't have a medical need, you don't need it. And so Aaron, your your question uh, is just getting high is wrong. I would think so. But when you say is smoking weed sinful, I said, well, how can you smoke weed and not get high? And if getting high is, is causing this kind of state of drunkenness or this, this state of intoxication, this state of not having a sober mind, then we're going against what Scripture has taught us. So hopefully we can, we can look through and say it, it's not just that we demonize everything outside of Christianity, but we can clearly look at what is going on in our culture. We can look at the way that God has set things up, the way that God has designed us to be, and he says, look. It's not that it's don't smoke weed because of this. What should we be doing in, instead? I think it's John Stone Street that says for every no in scripture, there's a better yes. Right? What is that better yes that we have? The joy of being in relationship with people, the joy of loving God and knowing him more deeply. Hopefully this is something that we can present to our students. The second thing that the research shows is that there is a shallowness in Christianity, that the church is shallow. It's teaching is shallow. It's aimed at the lowest common denominator. And I think that's true, right? We, we grow up as young students and we learn a lot of the Bible stories. And then you get to high school and it's all about don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't do these sort of things. And, and there's a lot of don'ts. And I once had a student come to me. It's like, man, we just keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think this is true of, of my upbringing as well in Christian school. Now, I understand they did go into deeper things. We did learn things about world religions. But I think that when I got into college, and maybe I was also, I know I was also just more mature at that point, but it felt like my eyes were opened to new knowledge about Christianity that we didn't get into before. Or if we did, it just wasn't presented in a way that really maybe grasped me, my attention uh, in, in the area that I was. But it's often very shallow. We often hear the same stories over and over again. I was at an event one time, and, and, and a young person had been a Christian for about two years, I think. And they responded to me, and they said, look, I, I know everything. And I, and I don't think that was coming from a position of pride or arrogance, like, look at me, I know everything. But it really, I think, was coming out of a position that it was already repeat information over and over and over again that this student would just kept hearing the same stuff over and over in youth group. 
and had this understanding, well, look, if this is all there is, I think I know it all already. And this is why for me, it is so cool when I go do my speaking events and when I talk about world religions and when I talk about the apologetics and I get into the doctrine of God and different views of Mormonism and the scientific evidence for the existence of God and the evidence for the resurrection and why God would allow evil. And I get into these topics, even with junior high students, so many questions come up. I just spoke to a group of junior high students on Wednesday morning of this last week on the, on the reliability of the New Testament, and, and they were just glued on it. It's things that they haven't heard before. They always just hear, trust the Bible, trust the Bible, trust the Bible. They're never given the deeper intellectual evidence for why they should trust the Bible. And so it gives them this very shallow view of Christianity, that this is just how we are. This is just what we believe. After hearing that enough times, then it gets boring. Now, I talk about this in my talk on everyone has to start somewhere, and I've mentioned this on the show before, but it's like if you're married for 50 years and I ask my grandpa, you know, uh, um, you know what, tell me about grandma. And he goes, well, uh, her name is Marilyn and um, uh, she's, you know, this old and uh, this is how tall she is. No, grandpa, like, tell me about grandma. Well, um, her favorite color is, you know, green and uh, I don't know what else. That is a boring relationship. And that's what I think we see in a lot of times with, with students in relationships is relationships don't go deep and then they get boring very, very quickly. Right? In the same way, when I look at art, I'm not an art person. When I look at artwork, it's like, yeah, that's a building. It's boring. But someone who truly understands art, they look at the brush strokes, they look at the way that shadowing is done, they look at this and it just fascinates them and they can look at art for so much time because they truly have an understanding of good art. I'm the same way when it comes to sports. Some people watch a hockey and it's like, okay, it's a bunch of grown men skating around on ice, beating each other up and shooting a rubber thing. But I look at it and I look at the, the details and I look at the skill that is needed to do the things that they do and it fascinates me. Right? When we give students, I think, a deeper understanding of Christianity, then all of a sudden their eyes are open where they see things that they've never seen before and this excitement comes to now you don't have to force someone to sit through a hockey game or you don't have to force someone to go against, uh, to a museum against their will, but they actually want to go. They want to enjoy it because they start to see things they've never seen before. I think that this is a, a way that we can start to get students excited about Christianity. Give them a deeper understanding, make new concepts and ideas come alive. And they'll want to be involved rather than thinking they've done it. They've seen it. They get it. I'm over it. This is boring. The third reason that's given is anti-science. And as we talk a lot about on the show, I think this is the reason why I talk so much about science, that the church is out of step with scientific developments and generally antagonistic towards science, that, that anything scientific that seems to go against the Bible, we're against it. And that we truly don't understand real science, right? When, when evolution is being taught and, and we don't talk about it in youth group. This is why when I speak, one of the main topics that comes up is evolution, is science. I'm, I'm asked to talk about this idea of scientism and, and faith versus science a lot because this is an issue that many students deal with. We seem to just say, look, this is just the way it is. Now, it was interesting. It was brought to my attention this morning uh, that on Twitter, the number one currently right now, as, as I'm talking, the number one trending topic on Twitter is exposed Christian schools. 
And this is a whole thing brought about uh, with Mike Pence and his wife taking a job at a Christian school. And this Christian school is anti-LGBT and anti-gender identity and this sort of thing. And so now there's this trending topic on Twitter, exposed Christian schools. And I was going through and looking at the problems that people are having and the ways that they are exposing the Christian schools that they went to. Now, some of them were devastating, if true, talking about how students would beat them up at the as teachers encouraged it. That's hard to believe. But if that's happening, I think we all should be exposing that. We all should be against that and fighting that if that's what's going on. But it's also interesting at how many other ones had to deal with our first topic about the isolation and how at my Christian school, I was just told that everything was evil and I shouldn't do these things. At my Christian school, uh, they just told us that you should burn all your CDs. At my Christian school, we were told that the gay people are all going to hell. At my Christian school, and it was all these things of outside Christianity, everyone is evil and just burning in hell. A lot of the comments that were in this tweet, this Twitter thread as I was looking through this morning had to do with this idea of isolationism, but also it had to deal with the topic of anti-science. At my school, we just looked at Genesis for all of our history classes. We didn't even learn real history. Or at my school, we were just taught that the world is 6,000 years old. And, and just this idea that how ridiculous could this be? Right? Science is saying one thing, we were just told creation. We were just told 6,000 years, and here's what science is showing us. So that's why hopefully I, what my goal is, is to help people see how science and faith really do line up. That when you truly understand scripture, when you truly understand science, these actually go together so much better than we often think they do. Because again, if God created nature, his general revelation, and he created scripture, his special revelation, the word of God, if they're both creations from God, then they're going to agree. And then if our science and our theology disagrees, either our science is wrong or our theology is wrong. Just like our science is wrong when we thought the universe was eternal and scripture said that it had a beginning, and now we realize that scripture or the science is pointing to the universe has a beginning. It's lining up with scripture. And just like our theology was wrong when we said that the earth is the center of the universe because it's immovable. Now our science shows that the earth is not the center of the universe, and we realized our theology was wrong. Hopefully we, we rec can reconcile these two things. And this brings up another interesting point. My students, as I mentioned on the show, I have a question of the day. And you can follow that on my Instagram, at RyanPolly3. But I post a question of the day and I respond to it. Well, the question I answered on Friday of this last week was my students asked me, what are your thoughts on the flat earth theory? I thought this was very interesting. Now, I hadn't done a lot of research on the flat earth theory, uh, but I had my ideas. And I started to research it as I was preparing to answer the question for the question of the day. And here's what I found is, is one reason why people hold a flatter theory would be an extreme literal view, uh, a reading of scripture, right? In the same way that before when we read scripture and realized, you know, the sun rises and the sun sets, well, the sun then has to be moving. Therefore, we're the center of the universe. And instead we realize, okay, science is showing, no, we're not the center. The sun is the center. And so this language that we use is language of observation. What appears from us, from our perspective is the sun is rising, but we realize that's not actually what's happening. The earth is, is rotating. Now, the same would be true with the flat earth theory, right? It says the sun has four corners. The Bible says it has four corners. It has four corners. This has to be true. So the science, therefore, is wrong. Or it's saying, no, the science is right. But when we say that people come from all the corners of the earth, we're talking about they're coming from all over the earth. Not that it literally has four corners. 
right? Because we don't do this in, in places where it says Jesus is a door and we don't say that Jesus has handles and hinges. We realize that there's this figurative language and we use this all the time. It's raining cats and dogs. This computer cost me an arm and a leg. Not really. It's words that we use to describe things. But that's one reason why they hold a flat earth. The second is, is this idea of, uh, and I think this is interesting at the very base, but the leader of this organization, and this is an organization of, of people that believed in a flat earth that were coming together for these conferences. And the guy that kind of organized it, is, his name was Mark Sargent. And, and, and he presented and he pretty much said this in one of the videos that he, in the interview that he did, is that, look, if I were to ask you, is the world flat around? Most of you, I would assume, would say round. And then he goes, okay, well, how do you know that? Well, that's what science says, or that's what, you know, the research shows. Well, what research? And most people, including myself, I don't know all the research that goes into being able to explain the intricate details of how I know that the earth is round. He goes, so you're just trusting what the authorities say. Yeah, to a degree. I'm trusting the scientists. I'm trusting uh, the consensus. He says, well, you can't trust the consensus. Right? It's almost this rejection of this modernism. This very postmodern idea where all of the people that are in authority over you, they are just using that authority. They're using that power to control us and manipulate us. And really, that's not it. Well, my first, my question is, is not only other, do I have a lot of questions of, you know, what if you fall off the edge, to which I found actually two responses. One is that we actually live uh, in a snow globe, in an enclosed system, kind of like the Truman Show, to which my next question would be, okay, then why haven't we hit the edge? To which I also found a response. It's, well, because Antarctica, which is what circles the edge of the flat disk that we live on, is so, um, so the weather is so severe, we actually have never reached the edge. And so no one has ever crossed Antarctica is one response. The other response I found interesting is what they call the Pac-Man effect. That if you've ever played the game Pac-Man, once you go off the, side of the right side of the screen, what happens? You pop over on the left side, this idea of teleportation. And, and, and this response is that the idea of teleportation is now more believable than the earth being round. But what this comes down to is this kind of re rejection of science, rejection of what the scientific uh, enterprise is doing and what scientists around the world are saying. And the, look, it, it, they must be trying to control this knowledge and control us. However, when I look at the world and I look at a horizon, it looks flat. Therefore, it must be flat. Now, I know there's other reasons that are given, but this is kind of the, the things that I was finding in this rejection of science. And so a lot of this comes from, I think, from what I saw on Twitter this morning about students being very upset at the things that were told to them or done to them while at their Christian school. Now, what's interesting is that some of them were very Christian, right? They're, they're upset that, that they would say that Christianity is true, this idea of exclusivity, because now we live in a world that is very pluralistic. Uh, and they're upset at the, the ideas that are presented about creation and these sort of things. And then it's all just filled with creationists and all this kind of stuff. It was just interesting. Well, of course, people that believe in creation are teaching at Christian schools. But hopefully, and what I want to end on, and we're going to come back and we're actually going to look at the, the last three um, reasons on sex, exclusivity, and doubters. We're going to look at those next week. But what I found interesting is this, and I was actually watching another video yesterday uh, between Islam and Christianity. And what's interesting is what they pointed out in this video, and it was, a, it was a debate, a conversation between a Christian and a Muslim. And what it was interesting is the Muslim says, look, you Christians, you, you people outside of Islam, you look at the radicals, you look at the terrorists, and you say, because this Muslim said, go kill Christians, or because this Muslim did this, therefore, all Muslims are bad. You can't do that. 
And the Christian actually said, well, I completely agree. And I would agree as well. You can't look at what one person does and says and say, therefore, everyone else is like that. But the same way this Muslim said, but I had this one Christian who was mean to me and Christians are just mean. And he did the same thing in reverse. And what I want to say is the same thing as here, especially with the thing on Twitter, is that oftentimes, yes, are there some evil Christians? Are there some mean Christians? Are there some bad Christian schools? Absolutely. And we should expose that. We should show that the problems with that. But just because some people mistreat, misuse God's word, we, that does not throw Christianity out the window. We have to look and see how does what they teach align with what Jesus taught. If what they are doing was approved of and, and encouraged by Jesus, then we have a problem. But if what they were doing was disapproved of, was condemned by Jesus, then we say, look, this person is not acting in the way that we should. And we cannot condemn all of Christians for doing this. So hopefully, here in this first episode uh, of this series on why young people are leaving the faith, looking at the isolationism of Christianity, the shallowness and the anti-science, you gain some new perspective, new ideas, new ways uh, of talking and working with young people. Again, I want to encourage you to check out those events, to go see some amazing speakers at some of these conferences, as well as write in your questions, your comments on what I said today, because next week we're going to look at the last three arguments here on sex exclusivity and doubters. And we'll be talking about that next week. So if you have any comments on those, I'd be happy to share those as well. Have an awesome rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. And God bless. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Coffee House Questions with Ryan Pauly. Won't hesitate to follow your love.